Today on The Journey with Steve DeWitt, a powerful lesson on prayer. As we pray, we delight more in our relationship with God. We love more the connection to the vine. So let's pray in Jesus' name and strive to pray according to his will as best we can. And to ask God, change my desires so that I want what you want in my life. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, pastor and Bible teacher at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. Our level of dependence on God is reflected in both the quality and quantity of our prayer life. Today, Pastor Steve emphasizes that the more we understand how truly dependent we are on God, the more fervent, powerful, and enjoyable our prayer lives will be. More on thejourney.fm. Now sharing a message preached during a week of prayer at Bethel Church, here's Pastor Steve with a message called Prayer in Jesus' Name. A prayerless church is a sorry church. A prayerless Christian is a sorry and probably struggling Christian. And so uh, as we look to prayer and we realize that prayer is the best indication of somebody who understands how dependent they are on God, surely we all need a greater sense of how dependent we are on God. And you can look at the quantity and the quality of your prayer life as a pretty good indication of whether or not in the day-to-day of life, you how much you think you need God or not. So there are three texts, primarily in the upper room, where Jesus refers to prayer. I'm going to read all three of them, and then we're just going to kind of take them apart and, and learn from them. Uh, they are similar. You'll hear that in the language, but here they are. First of all, John 15, 7. If you abide in me, there's that abide language again. If you abide in me and I abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We'll get into that in a second. Here's John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And then John 16. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Interesting. Truly, truly, or as the old King James says, verily, verily, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. All right, so we start with the last text here because it places prayer in its redemptive story context. And I want you to see here that he says, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Now, that doesn't sound like a statement that inspires a lot of prayer, right? The day's coming when you're not going to ask anything. What is he saying there? And what is he talking about? And you have to realize, as always, whenever you're reading the Bible, studying the Bible, is that the verse is in a context. And the context here, remember, it's the upper room. It's Thursday night. Jesus is 12 hours from his crucifixion. He is 18 hours from his death. He is 60 hours from his resurrection. He is 40 days from his ascension. And 
When you realize what Jesus is saying here, it's what he's been saying in the upper room. I'm getting ready to depart. And lots of things are going to change. And one of them that he highlights here is, when I ascend to the Father, I'm no longer physically going to be with you. You're not gonna ask anything of me because I'm not going to be here. And Jesus indicates the transition. He says, you're not gonna ask me anything. You're going to ask our heavenly Father. And you're going to do so in my name. Why, first of all, do we pray in Jesus' name? And I wanna make it clear why we don't do it, okay? Why we don't do it. We do not do it because it's like a magic incantation that when we utter in Jesus' name, now God the Father is obligated because we've cast a magic spell on him to do everything that I have asked him to do. It is also not a kind of PS on the prayer. It's not the farewell. In fact, we're not even told maybe we should start our prayers in Jesus' name. We just always do it at the end, at least most people I know. And we don't include those words uh, in our prayers, even though it's a privilege to do so, or we don't have to. Okay, so I'm not creating another Lord's Prayer where you have to say, in Jesus' name. We're not told we have to do that. It's not about the words so much. And I suspect, again, that many of us do it rather absentmindedly, like it's just sort of a habit. And maybe this is the first time you've thought about, what does that actually mean? Okay, so let's go back to verse 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And I want you to see there that the purpose statement, so that, builds on what we've been studying here in the upper room for the last several weeks, and that is the metaphor of Jesus as the vine and us as the branches who abide in the vine, who stay connected in the vine, and by doing so receive the nourishment to keep us spiritually alive. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I would say, we can't even pray without Jesus, okay? Not even prayer we can accomplish. No, the branch is nourished by the vine. And so the branch who is nourished by the vine is praying in Jesus' name. Abiding in Jesus creates the opportunity for us as the branches to pray to the Father and by virtue of that relationship with Jesus, he promises to hear our prayers and to answer them and to grant whatever we ask in Jesus' name. Well, then what does it do? What does it do? Why is he going to the trouble of telling us about it here, repeating it three or four times in the upper room? This is what it means. Praying in Jesus' name is a gospel affirmation and entrusts the effectiveness of the prayer to Jesus, not me. So every time I pray then in Jesus' name, amen, or begin my prayer, I come to you in Jesus' name, it confesses again that my belief in this prayer is the merits and the glory of the Son. And it acknowledges to God that the only way this prayer is gonna have any effect at all 
is by virtue of my connection to Jesus and his connection to you. And when we pray in Jesus' name, we are placing our prayer squarely into the larger realm of redemption and God's promise of divine hearing by virtue of Jesus Christ. And so this week, I would encourage you, how about, how about this, or even as we pray in our service today, rather than gunning it when you get to the end of the prayer, go slow and think about every one of those words. In, this is my connection to the vine, Jesus. Jesus, Savior, Lord, lover of my soul. Name, his title that represents who he is. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we come to part two here, this is uh, some practical tips on how to pray in Jesus' name that our prayers might be effective. And the first thing to realize is that in order to pray in Jesus' name, we have to pray in his will. This explains how God, the text says, promises to answer our prayers when we pray in Jesus' name. This is when our requests are in conformity with God's will, we get whatever we ask every single time. Prayer aligns us more with God's will than somehow stretching God's will to align with ours. Are you with me on that? Okay. Whose will, whose pleasure is driving the things that you are asking God, petitioning him for? When God's will and his glory are preeminent, we get what we want every time because that means that we want what he wants, okay? Delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, Psalm 37, four. What does that mean? I get what I want, no. When I'm delighting in God, I want what he wants. And so therefore, as what he wants is what happens, I delight in what God has done. So the issue here are the desires within us. That's what James says. It's our motives in our prayers, and our prayers will reflect our priorities. So I would encourage you to just ask God to help you with this. This is hard, okay? It is, this is not easy. And honestly, if you were to listen to my morning prayers, you'd go, there seems to be a lot of Steve in there. Because you know what? There is too much Steve in the prayer. So let's pray in Jesus' name and strive to pray according to his will as best we can. And to ask God, change my desires so that I want what you want in my life. Change me, God, please. And pray scripture. By the way, this is another helpful thing. When we pray God's word, we pray God's will. And so this is where scripture, praying back scripture like we did with Psalm 103 briefly. And maybe even be honest in your prayer. Maybe say something like this. God, I think I might be praying selfishly right now. Or to say, God, I might be totally out to lunch right now. I'm off the rails here, possibly. Somehow I think God likes the honesty because he already knows, yeah, you are off the rails in that prayer. <laughs> Maybe acknowledge it. So strive as best 
we can to pray in Jesus' name in his will, according to his will. And secondly, to pray in his way. Okay, so in his will, in his way. There is so much to learn about prayer from the life and the example of Jesus himself. Scripture tells us a lot about his prayer life. I'll give you, here's maybe two examples. Luke 5, verse 16. But Jesus often slipped away to be alone so he could pray. That little clause there has a lot of helpful tips. And if Jesus did it this way, then I think that's probably a good example to follow. Let me note a few things about Jesus' prayer. Number one, alone. Now, it's great to pray with other Christians, totally. But there is a real need, I think, for every Christian to get alone with God, to open my heart, to open my will, to open me up to the divine presence of God and to there, with open hearts, invite him into my day to, to, to welcome him, to surrender, if you will, to plead with him. Can I ask you, do you have time alone with God? And if not, might the week of prayer be a catalyst for you to find your own rhythm and way to have a regular time alone with God? I also find it helpful to have not just alone time, but an alone place. Jesus went to the wilderness. Jesus went to the mountain. He got off by himself. And these places of solitude can become sacred places in our walk with God. Do you have anything like that or anywhere like that? Now, for me, I'm a big prayer walker. I've talked about this over the years. I almost exclusively pray while walking, and there's lots of reasons for that I don't have time to get into right now. But what that means for me is that, you know, I, I could walk in place, I suppose, but I find it more helpful to walk linearly <laughs> as I'm praying. And so I most often go into our unfinished basement and I walk laps there, dodge the roller skates around the ping pong table, <laughs> past the furnace, just circles and, and pray. And that has become a sacred space for me to be alone with God. We're all different. You gotta find your own. But I would encourage you to have somewhere that you go to meet with God and to make that a kind of Jesus mountain for you. I'll give you another helpful tip, which I would have started this years ago. But I find when I go to pray, I have a thousand other thoughts that come to my mind about, you know, I gotta take care of that. I need to call that person. Need the, you know, just down it goes distractions. And so I have a pad of sticky notes, sits on the furnace with a pen next to it, not on the, on the hot water heater. This is high class praying, let me tell you. <laughs> there on the hot water heater, I got my, my stack of sticky notes. And as these things come to my mind, I write them down right away. Because then I don't have to continue to keep it in my RAM, keep it in my, you know, like I remember that, I write it down, I don't think about it anymore, and I can focus on praying. And as a side note, I, I, sometimes I think, you know, is the devil distracting me with you know, these kinds of things? And I sort of like, I do uh, judo on him, because I get awesome ideas while I'm praying and I write them down, and so like he doesn't wanna bring ideas to me then, 
because I'm turning them against him. That's not in the notes. I just, I sometimes think about that. The tip was to write it down and have something to do it. But alone, okay? So alone. Notice also that it says that he did this often. Often. Jesus slipped away to pray. And it was enough that the disciples and the writers of the gospel noted how often he did it. Now, I think that if the Son of God realized his dependency on God the Father such that it caused him to pray often alone, how much more should uh, human beings like you and I realize how frail and how dependent we are on God. Don't you think if, that if we could have God's perspective on our frailty, we all would realize we are way more dependent on him? And wouldn't that cause us then to pray as a means of God continuing to nourish my spiritual life? And prayer, of course, is again one of the very best indicators of whether functionally we are dependent on God in the day-to-day -day of life or realize it. Do I feel the need to pray? Do you? Friends, I wanna encourage you, pray, okay? Pray, pray badly if you must. It's better to pray badly than to not pray at all. Don't be embarrassed about your awkward prayers, okay? Your father loves you. Send his son to die for you when you were still a sinner. And you might be a horrible prayer. Somehow he likes it. It's like when I hear my girls pray. They pray the craziest prayers. And when they're done, I'm like, yes. I think God might be in heaven like that. Third, I'm gonna note, lengthy. Lengthy. Luke 6, 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued to pray. You know, you kind of fly by that verse, you don't realize. All night prayer? A, stayed awake all night. Some of us are like about 8.30, that's about it, okay? Here's Jesus actively, mentally praying all night long. I remember years ago in my youth pastor days, I got motivated about prayer and I scheduled a personal prayer retreat. And somebody in the church had a cabin in the southern Indiana, out in the woods, rustic, like, you know, I don't even, I think it had electricity, barely, you know, one of these things. And uh, so I thought, that's, I'm gonna get away, I'm gonna meet with God. And so I scheduled two days away. I drove all the way down there. I got to the cabin. I said, now I'm gonna pray. And so I started to pray. I prayed about everything I could think of. I prayed for every missionary. I prayed for every person, every kid in the youth group, all of that. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. And I checked my clock, 30 minutes. <laughs> I thought, how am I gonna do this for two days? I think I left early is my, re my recollection <laughs> because at that stage of my life, I had bitten off more than I could pray. But I would encourage all of us to ask, how can I increase the, the quantity of my prayer? If, would a family member, for example, not to bring guilt, but just to say, would a family member who lives with you say that you pray often? They probably know. We should strive for that like Jesus. Another tip from my experience is to realize that praying isn't always me talking. That's another key tip. You know, sometimes we think, to pray, I gotta talk. 
And for introverts, that is not an easy thing to do. So some of you introverts are like, four sentences verbally, that's about all I got, okay? That doesn't mean you can't pray, because prayer is communion with God. Maybe think about it like that old married couple that just sits on the front porch. They commune with one another, they say nothing. But they are together. They are in each other's presence. And when we pray, we have the opportunity not just to talk, but to meditate, to think about the goodness of God, to consider uh, the qualities of God, to think about my life through the grid of a sovereign God overlooking me, making promises to me. All of these spiritual kind of thoughts, thinking them and maybe in some ways praying them back to God. Contemplate his word, his work, his character, his gospel, his son, his will, his ways, his wonder. And as you do that, your prayers go like from the now I lay me down to sleep type prayers into more mature praying, deeper praying, more praying. And here's the thing, and it doesn't feel weird and it doesn't feel awkward. I would encourage us to pray often. Don't start off with, by the way, with the Jesus all night prayer. Some of you might be going, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Why don't you start off with his model prayer? There's a good place to start, the Lord's Prayer, and build from there. And finally, going back to the vine and the branches to realize that prayer is a fruit that produces more fruit. Prayer itself is a fruit. Satan never wants us to pray, okay? Uh, A satanic fruit would not be more prayer in our life, but a spiritual fruit would be. And when we're connected to the vine, there is, prayer is a part of the, what bubbles out from us, what is produced in us, and that is a good thing, because as we pray, we delight more in our relationship with God. We love more the connection to the vine. And so prayer is a means to more joy, and I take from this that prayerlessness is joylessness. Prayerlessness is joylessness. You cannot be a joyful Christian without an active prayer life. And we see in this that prayer bears more fruit. And note the fruit, joy, gladness in God. I wonder how many of us view prayer that way. Like, man, I'm sad. I'm gonna go pray so I can get glad in God. Probably not. And yet that's what the promise is here. So prayerfulness multiplies our zeal and our the vitality of our spiritual life and indeed our joy. And so Bethel Church, let's pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' way that our joy may be full. We're rekindling our passion for prayer here on The Journey with Steve DeWitt. You just heard the conclusion of a message called Prayer in Jesus' Name. If you missed part one, you can replay it online at thejourney.fm or by subscribing to our podcast. Well, whether you're just starting your prayer journey or you've been a believer for a long time, I hope today's sermon encouraged you to strengthen your bond with the one who's at the core of it all, Jesus Christ. Helping you deepen your connection with Christ is our primary goal here on The Journey. That's why each day we share the gospel on the radio and internet, reaching men and women worldwide with some encountering Christ for the very first time. But as a program supported by listeners, we wouldn't be able to do it without you. Your financial support helps us broadcast The Journey's Bible teaching program. And when you make a generous gift today of any amount to this ministry, you're helping us reach even more people for Christ. 
So will you join us today? You can give by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit us online at thejourney.fm. And when you give, we'll say thanks by sending you a book by best-selling author and pastor John MacArthur. It's titled, The Upper Room, Jesus' Parting Promises for Troubled Hearts. In the Upper Room, Pastor MacArthur takes us back to the night and the glorious hope we have in Christ. This is Vintage MacArthur, an exposition of the text that resonates with devotion to the Lord and love for God's people, calling us to know and love the one who loved us to the end. And you can request your copy when you call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. I'm your host, Tim Svoboda. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Steve begins a message all about God's sovereign grace. That's Friday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.